This is KMTT, Kimi Tzion Tetzei Torah. This is Ezra Beck. Today is Friday. Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parshat Vayichi. And we're celebrating a number of simchas uh, in this time. First of all, it's the uh, anniversary. It's a year to the founding of KMTT. KMTT began on Hanukkah a year ago with special broadcast for Hanukkah. The week after Hanukkah, we began the regular, uh, regular broadcasts. And so we have, uh, somewhat amazingly in my eyes, we finished the year. We've kept up to the schedule a few times. Messed up, it's not easy. But basically, we've had one broadcast every day since last, uh, since last Hanukkah. It was vacation for Pesach and vacation in Ben Azman in the summer. We're following the schedule of the yeshiva. But in every regular, what we call working days, every day of Zman, the Zman of the Yeshiva, the time of the Yeshiva, we've had a half hour to 40 minute broadcast every day. And that's a, that's the reason for Simcha. It's an anniversary which, uh, fulfillment of a, a kind of a dream that people had. The idea bounced around for a long time and I'm glad we got it off the ground. Personal level, I'm having my own Simcha. Today's the wedding day of my daughter, Bacheva. Tell you the truth, I'm actually recording this on Thursday. Today's not really Friday; it's really Thursday. So Thursday night, Leil Tetvav of the month of Tevet is the wedding night of my youngest daughter, Batshava Chana, who's marrying Roi Sternen, and I'm uh, dedicating. By the power invested in me, I'm dedicating today's. Broadcast in their honor, and I wish them in the name of KMTT. KMTT wishes them simcha ba'osha, schus of binyan bias, ba'eretz yisrael ba'am yisrael, and they should give their parents a lot of nachas. In the end of today's parsha, Yaakov Avinu was buried in Eretz Yisrael. And we know he's buried in Marat HaMachpelah. There's a bit of a gap in the description of the Torah. The Torah says that when they got to, at a point that was on the other side of the Jordan River, the Ebehayadein, so the Egyptians made a big uh, ceremony, big funeral ceremony. In a place that was afterwards called Avel Mitzrayim. It was so impressive. It received the name of the morning of Mitzrayim. And then it says that Yaakov's sons brought him to Marat HaMachpelah. So, the Gemara in Sota says that when they got to Marat HaMachpelah, Esav, Yaakov's brother, met them and didn't want to let them uh, bury Yaakov in Marat HaMachpelah because he said that uh, it belongs to him. I imagine the argument was that part of it belongs to him and there's so much space available and therefore he didn't want to give up the space for Yaakov. Basically, he's claiming that he's the Bukhar, which he's not. But in any event, he, he argued with them. So they said to him, no, but you sold you sold your chilek, you sold your portion in Marat HaMachpelah. And he denied it. So they argued, they argued, they argued, and uh, Naftali, who was the swift one of the children of Yaakov, uh, ran back to Mitzvah, that's what it says, the... He sped off to Mitzrayim to bring the Shtar Mechira. They had the deed in which Esav had signed selling his portion in Marat to Yaakov. 
the distance from Hebron to Mitzrayim is five or six days of a journey in each direction. In the meantime, they're arguing. Chushim ben Dan. Dan had a son, one son named Chushim, and Chushim was deaf. So he didn't know what was going on exactly. All of a sudden, you know, he finally asked. And they told him. And he said, this is the language of the Gemara, Ad naftali mitzrayim What? You're trying to tell me that until Naftali goes all the way to Mitzrayim and comes back. Avi Abba, Grandpa, Saba, Saba Yisrael, Saba Yaakov, will be lying to Zion, just going to lie out, not be buried, what a, what a bush, what a shame this is. Come the karat et rosho shel esav. He got up, decided to literally cut the argument short, and he cut off Esav's head, and they buried Yaakov immediately on the spot. In fact, there's a room in Rata Machbela, uh, off to the side. And, uh, it's not clear why it's there. There are different traditions. One, one of the traditions that says that that's where the head of Esav is buried. Uh, uh, a story. So Shiva of Mir asked, why was the Chushim the person to ask this question? They were all there. Days were going by. How come the other brothers didn't feel the, the shame, the busha, and the chlima, and the bizayon of having Yaakov Avinu lie around while they argued with Esau? Why was only Chushim the one to, to suddenly get up and ask this question and cut off Esau's head? Rav Chaim answered that the answer is explicit because he was deaf. What is the connection? So Rav Chaim said, look, this is a, it's, it's a typical common human reaction. In the beginning, when they met Esau, they thought they would argue with him. They would explain to him. Logically, they would impress him. And they believed in the efficacy of their arguments. After all, they knew that they had a perfectly good argument. They had bought it from him. He should remember they bought it from him. And so they tried to convince him. You believe you're going to succeed doesn't work at first, so you continue to argue. And as you continue to argue, you go from one argument to another, and Esav gets a little bit more obstinate. Maybe you get a little bit more obstinate, but in each stage, you're getting used to being in an argument. And it becomes a normal situation in your eyes. I mean, you know that you, you're not going to allow Yaakov to be not buried at all, obviously, but, but in the beginning you argue, and then you argue some more, and then you argue some more, and the emotional reaction the shock of seeing Yaakov's body lying unburied is, 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 is muted. In short, nature of man is that it's possible to get used to anything and everything, no matter how bad. Kushim, though, was deaf. He didn't know what was going on. He wasn't involved in the arguments, and therefore he wasn't subject to the regularization, to the habituation of the situation. He was out of it. He drew in the argument. He went into something else. All of a sudden, he came back and and it just struck him as one one blow. Three, four, five days have gone by and Yaakov Avinu was lying. Unburied. So he therefore had the, the reaction, not the intellectual thought, gee, what should we do? We should cut off Esau's head. But he had the emotional shock, the moral reaction, which led to what he did, come the asa ma'aseh. Especially in the Gemara is come the karat. He got up. What do you mean he got up? He he arose. The others were too used to sitting. 
Whereas he did not have that. Of course, the Musa Haskal is, this is in fact a common human situation. Whereby, we're presented with a situation we know is wrong, but we think we can fix it through some clever manner. Moderation, which is good. A moderate response very often will in fact succeed. And that's the way you should do it. But the downside is that then, in the meantime, you've gotten used to, you've become habituated to living with the situation. Prudence, correct prudence, dictates that we shouldn't react immediately. We should try to fix it slowly. In the meantime, we'll suffer. And then we'll see tomorrow what will be done. The price you pay is that at the end of that year, you are no longer as motivated as you were in the beginning because you've learned to live with the situation. And we have to be aware. I don't think the idea of Abchaim was that we shouldn't engage in prudence and argument and, and trying to fix the situation in, in a less violent manner than Chushim's. Now, that's not the Mesa. That's not the, the Lekach. That's not the lesson here. But the lesson is that all the time you have to somehow try to protect yourself from being habituated to learn to live with, with evil and with problems and with unbearable situations which become bearable simply because you've, you've borne them for, for so long. The examples are legion in our personal lives and our national political lives. You try to deal with the situation, things which were unthinkable when they first took place, but then someone said, okay, let's deal with it in the proper manner. And then months go by and months go by and months go by and today, today, I'm not so sure that the motivation still exists. We've learned to live with, for instance, a hostage here and two hostages there. One day you went to war for them, and now it's become business as usual. And I think in our personal lives as well, I didn't really mean to interject politics here, there are many things which, what we presented with them, we would react, well, violently, we would react strenuously. But if for some reason we couldn't eliminate them in the, in, 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 in the original stage, and then you learn to deal with it, you learn to live with it, you become dulled, and insensitive to the situation till someone alo- someone comes along who's deaf, Baruch Hashem. He hasn't experienced the habituation and he smashes, cuts the Gordian knot, cuts off Esav's head and Yaakov Avinu is buried in Marat HaMachpeda. Aside from being the anniversary of KMTT, this also has been the, uh, the drive week for KMTT. Thinking about KMTT after one year, I'd, I'd like to ask the following question. Is, is this revolutionary? Now, I don't think, personally, I've been involved in computers for a long time, in the VBM. I, I, I don't think that in the life of Torah, computers are revolutionary. I know some people think that they are. You have the CD, you have the Barilan CD with seven, seven million sources and there are other things like that. So, that's very nice, you know, it saves you time. It, it replaces the need for memory, which may or may not be a good thing. You know, there are studies that show uh, they're very simple tests were given to children for many, many, many years. And they've shown that children today have poorer memories than they did 50, 60 years ago. Uh, there's no question in my mind. You read the stories about people who knew Shas by heart, who knew, who knew not just Shas, Shas, Palskim, Gemara, Vashi, Telsus, we've shown him, Shutan, they knew it all by heart. So it is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. I suspect it's not going to happen anymore. Because even for the amazing person, the amazing memory, you need to have a certain will that says, gee, if I don't learn it by heart, I'm not going to know it. How am I going to get to it? 
Today rely on a push of a button. Let the computer do your uh, your searching for you. And so you say, what difference does it make? You can still get to it. Yeah, but I think when it's when it's programmed in your head, you're able to deal with the massive material if it's there. You're able to deal with it and analyze it in a manner which you can't do when it's you're relying on the on the hard disk. But in any event, no, no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But that's not evolutionary. Learning is still learning. Has, has, has the computers changed the way we learn? I don't think so. But what is revolutionary is the distribution method. And that's what we've invested in here. The VBM, for instance, is just text. I could send it in the mail. I just can't afford to send it in the mail. And many of the readers probably wouldn't have asked to receive it in the mail as opposed to the simplicity of simply pushing a button and getting on your computer where you're getting mail anyhow and you're on the internet anyhow. And therefore, we have 24,000 people enrolled in the VBM, which would not have been true in any other method of distributing Torah. Let me get to KMTT. KMTT is only a distribution method. The Torah is the same Torah. You could, in fact, it's not even as good. Well, we've limited ourselves to a certain kind, just the amount of time, it's only half an hour. In yeshiva, we don't give shiur for half an hour. I haven't given a shiur less than an hour and a half since I'm in yeshiva. I'm supposed to give an hour and a half. Usually I give two hours. Not because I'm being generous, because I can't stuff it into an hour and a half. It's not the Torah here that's been revolutionized. It's a distribution method. In order to hear a shiur in yeshiva at you have to be here. You have to come to a lunch food. You have to enter the room. Podcasting distributes it around the world. But I think KMTT is more revolutionary than that. It's not just distribution, but it's changed. It should change. I hope it will change the way in which we evaluate our time. The fact is that till not too many years ago, and for hundreds, I think even thousands of years before that, Torah didn't belong. Torah as learning did not belong experientially to Klal Yisrael, to the average Jew. I'm being, I mean, careful. I think Torah belongs to all the Jews, but in fact, experientially, learning Torah, I'm so was divided. I'm speaking of people who accept Torah mitzvot, which was, for the most of Jewish history, the mass of the Jewish people. So, a Jewish Shomer Shabbos, but rabbis learn Torah. Tamidich Chachamim. Tamidich Chachamim was a kind of a person. You know, in Eastern Europe, we think about the, 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 the classic age of the Shivas. When Volazhin, in the, in the 19th century, when Volazhin was, practically speaking, the only yeshiva in all of Europe and had 200 students, people learned in homes. I mean, they, they learned by the local rabbis. But the yeshiva of Volazhin had 200, 250 students. And it, it's very noticeable. If you know stories from Belajan, so it seems like everybody there had a, a title instead of a name. You were called the Shnipashnaka Ilui. Or the, the Mira Ilui. The Hudson Plaza Ilui. How come they were all Iluyan? Everyone there was called an Ilui. Ilui means a genius. The answer to it was because, relatively speaking, that's what they were. In every town, one student, will, maybe, would make it to the yeshiva of Balash. Everybody else learned until the age of 10. And then went out and got a job. 
So they could learn, they could read Rashi and Chumash, they could go hear a shir once a week, maybe. But Torah didn't belong to Amisal, it was divided up. There were plain people who did mitzvahs, and the elite, the intellectual elite, who learned, who learned Torah. Today, we're all better educated than our great-grandparents in general. I think we have the ability to learn Torah better. We also don't have any time. Most people, when presented with the need, the mitzvah, forget about the mitzvah, the, the opportunity to spend a regular time learning Torah, will look sorrowfully at their schedule and say, yeah, but, but I, I, I'm not time, I'm too busy. You know, it's true that I make a hundred times more of an income than my great-great-grandparents, but, but th- th- there's no way to divide it up. That, that, that's the way I have to live. And podcasting, KMTT is a solution to a problem which probably didn't exist more than a generation ago. But something revolutionary has taken place in Amisal in general without connection to the internet. And that is that most, most Jews, most, well, mo- most Jews who are observe mitzvot, and frankly a lot of Jews who are not fully committed to mitzvot, feel a need, an existential, an, a, a need of identity to engage in learning Torah. I, I think it's more than a mitzvah. Sure, I think we've convinced people there's a mitzvah to learn, which wasn't true. Uh, I was a little boy growing up in an Orthodox community in New York City, which had 300 families who were Shomer Shabbos, and there was one share a week that the rabbi gave, and four people came. The reason is because they just didn't think it applied to them. Okay, so today I think more Jews know that it's a mitzvah, but I think it's much more than that. I think more Jews feel that the definition of their existence. Being a Jew means being somehow engaged in regular Torah learning. Beyond the, the technical mitzvah that says, according to the simple Pshad the Gemara, you can be Yotze, you can fulfill that mitzvah with one Pasuk in the morning, one Pasuk in the evening, which you do when you say Shema. So it's true, the Ran and the Dham says it's not the Pshad, and you have to learn more than that. But, but there are opinions that say that to be Yotze, to fulfill the minimum obligation, you're all okay. But the Jewish community today has finally understood that which was implicit when the Torah was given in Hasinai, that the Torah is definition of the Jews. If the Torah is not in your mouths, if you're not growing in Torah, then you're dead in Torah. And, and the rabbis are not your agents to learn, to learn for you. So one, Torah is a mitzvah. Two, Torah is, is God's gift that defines the Jewish people's relationship with Him. And three, frankly, we're living in a democratic era and Torah has also become democratic. You don't give it to somebody else and let him play with it while you go do something else. If Torah belongs in theory to Amisal, it has to belong in practice to Amisal. And the way it belongs to practice to Amisal is for every single Jew to engage regularly on a daily basis in the study of Torah Hashem Tamimah. Pasuk in the end of Pashat Kitavo, Moshe Rabbeinu says to Amisal, Belonatanachem Hashem Lev Ladad Ozanishmo Ayinirot Adayomazeh. God has not given you a heart to understand and an ear to hear and an eye to see until this day. So Rashi there quotes a Medrash, Shamati, he says. It's an un, 
unsighted, undocumented medrash that says, what happened on that day? It tells the following story. That day was the day that Moshe Rabbeinu finished writing the Sefer Torah. And as God commanded, he gave the one copy of the Sefer Torah to B'nai Levi, to the servants of God, to keep, to protect. And when he did that, the whole Jewish people came to complain. And they said, why are you giving the Torah to your own to your own tribe? Tomorrow, they claim to Moshe, tomorrow, Shevet Levi will come and say, the Torah belongs to us and not to you. The Samach Moshe Mo'od. Moshe Rabbeinu was so happy this complaint. He didn't give them the Torah. He kept it by B'nai Levi. But he was so happy to hear the complaint. He said, Hayom Hazeh. Today you finally achieved a heart to know, an ear to hear, and an eye to see. The Torah isn't given to Am Yisrael to be placed in a box, in an academy, in Yeshivat HaNetzion, or in the hearts and minds of a few select Tamil Chachamim. The demand, and the Jews demand that the Torah be given to them, Moshe Rabbeinu realized they finally understood what Ashkosh Rochot had given them. Historically, I think that was Benas that took place then, but within a few years, the situation was such that there were Ravim, there were Kohanim, there were rabbis, there were people who lived in Torah, and Amisol took care of their farms. And that's the way it's gone on for thousands of years. And today, for reasons which I don't even begin to understand, for all sorts of reasons, Torah is spreading. Learning Torah, actual learning Torah, on all different levels. I'm not saying everyone's a big Talmud Chacham. But everyone's trying to learn. There's more and more and more, wider and wider circles of people learning Torah. That is where, first the VBM, but really, especially KMTT, is going to make a difference. Because God is helping us out. God knows that people want to learn. He knows it's difficult. And therefore, He invented a fantastic invention. And I'm not referring to MP3 players. God's invention was traffic jams. Also MP3 players. But first he invented the traffic jam. And today for someone to say that I have no time to learn is ridiculous. You have time to, to stare at the bumper of the car in front of you for an hour a day, two hours a day. That's a lot of time to learn. Then God invented cholesterol. And people, serious people, in the right age, begin to exercise every day. They go walking half an hour a day. Wonderful thing. I'm all for it. What do you do when you walk? You have another half hour to learn. I have to admit that there's a, there are two sides to this question. The real goal of Torah is Belashon Chachamim, the words of our sages, Kva Itim La Torah. Not to learn, but to set aside, establish times for learning. Now, is your daily commute a fulfillment of Kva Itim La Torah? The answer is yes and no. In theory, in theory, as busy as you are, Likvoa Itim La Torah means to take a half hour out of your schedule or an hour out of your schedule and make it make it for Torah. Psychologically, in terms of dedication, in terms of giving Torah its place, that's the way it should be done. Utilizing the half hour that otherwise you'd spend doing nothing, you know, holding the wheel, or sitting in a subway, 
or, or jogging or walking or washing dishes or ironing or uh, flying a plane, whatever, is not exactly, not really a fulfillment of Kvaitimata because you haven't really taken it out of your schedule. On the other hand, I think it's fantastic. On the other hand, the point is, that's why God did you a favor. God put that hole into your schedule. He was Kovea. The eight, you make it Litova. God established the time by putting all those cars on the highway. And now you have to make sure that it's Litova. In the end, I think there is something here that is truly revolutionary in Jewish history. Today, there are 500 people listening to KMTT. But within a year, I hope to be 5,000. That every day, just like a Jew puts on fill-in, just like you eat, just like you breathe, you have a time in which you spend learning Torah Hashem Tmimah, Yeshivat Nafesh. And that is a dream of generations. In my heart, I believe that if Torah becomes Nachalat Yisrael, the true inheritance of all Jews, that is ultimately the true Geula, both the cause and the fulfillment of Geulat, of Geulat Yisrael. So that's my, those are my thoughts on completing one year of KMTT, and those are my thoughts for starting another year of KMTT. We hope to make it better and more, and we hope to have more people, and to have more interesting and fulfilling and deep content. And that's also why we spent the last week asking you to contribute. I don't think, I don't think this is a shnor. This, this is not, I, 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 I didn't think of this week as being your, your typical, very important, but nonetheless typical uh, Jewish organization asking for money to do good things. I think we do good things, and I think if anybody, listener or non-listener, if you know somebody on your block who would like to support a good thing, a wonderful, fantastic uh, uh, project, let him donate money to KMTT. But I, I, I was really, in this week, I was turning to, to the participants, to the listeners, to the Torah learners, to the people who are part of the revolution of Torah Ba'am Yisrael, and aren't merely supporting it. And so I don't think of myself as, being, as, 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 as asking for donations. I'm reminding you of your participation. There are two sides to Torah. There's the intellectual side and then there's the making it all possible. You want to learn, learn. Put your ears, connect your ears to the iPod, but also put the nickel in the, in the Nickelodeon to make sure that the iPod keeps working. You, you, if you want to learn, you have to pay for the batteries of the, of the MP3 player. You have to make sure that your computer is connected to, to the net. That's part of learning. Well, make sure that we have the ability to to do this. It's not going to cost a lot of money. But nonetheless, uh, it's part of it. So, as you see it, as you can, as you're able, as you appreciate it, show your appreciation. Help us all start another year, a better year, a bigger year. I don't mean to be melodramatic. Help us change the relationship of Am Yisrael to Torah Hashem. Help us change your own relationship to Torah. Help us make Torah part of the everyday life of every single person. I literally dream of one day 
going back, visiting in my old my old birth town, Queens, New York, visiting the world's greatest parking lot, the Long Island Expressway, and seeing all the cars, well, many of the cars, connected, learning, a kind of chavusa. You don't know, the car next to you is listening to the same shir that you're listening to. Once again, phone numbers, the office, during office hours in New York, 212-732-4874. The number in Israel, a special phone manned most of the hours of the day, everything except the sleeping time, 0524-311-911. More information on the internet, www.kimitzion.org. You can mail checks into the office in New York, the Etzion Foundation, 160 Broadway, Suite 1000, or to Israel Yeshivat HaRetzion, Alon Shvut, Gush Etzion, 90433. We want to hear from you. You like hearing from us? We want to hear from you. And we should go forward in learning Torah in the future. Back to the Pasha. The beginning of the Pasha. Yaakov Avinu gives a bracha to the children, the two children of Yosef, Ephraim and Menashe. V'yidgu larov bekerev ha'aretz. Malach ha'goel oti mikorai v'arechet anarim v'yikarei ben b'shmi. Shem avotai Abraham v'yitzchak. V'yidgu larov bekerev ha'aretz. They should multiply... The word Yidgu means multiply like fish. They should multiply to become many in the midst of the land. The Gva, the Vilna Gom points out that in the sense, the sense is taken in the, in the desert. Two different places in the Torah where the Jews are counted. In none of those places is Ephraim, showing not Menashe, but neither Ephraim, the larger of the two tribes, the largest of the, of the tribes. In the middle, there are a number of tribes larger than Ephraim. However, in Sefer Yoshua, when they've conquered the land, they're giving out the different portions to each Shevet. B'nai Yosef come to complain to Yoshua, and they say, "Ani am Rav Asher Ad Hashem." They come to complain that getting the portion which has been set aside for them is not enough, because I am a, a lot of people who have been blessed till now by God. And therefore they ask for an extra uh, portion and Yeshua sends them to go conquer a, a mountain and uh, that's where they settle. So how could that be? I mean, there's only seven years between the entering of Eretz Yisrael, the census that was that, that, that takes place in Sefer Bamidbar was only seven years before this complaint and they weren't particularly large. So the grass said, but that was Birkat Yaakov. V'yidgu larov bekerev ha'aretz. In the midst of the land, the land means Eretz Yisrael. So long as they weren't in Eretz Yisrael, the Bechat didn't apply. But in those seven years, only seven years, immediately the Bechat of Yaakov kicks in, and Yosef, B'nai Yosef, Shevet Ephraim in particular, uh, experienced a tremendous growth 
only in those seven years. Which is why the cheshbon of how much to give them, which would be based on their pre-entering Eretz Yisrael status, they counted the people in order to divide up the land while they were still in the desert, shortchanged them relative to the numbers of B'nai Yosef at the time, seven years later, the time that the land was actually being divided up. And therefore, Yeshua uh, uh, sent them to go capture some more land for themselves. If you remember, this is the bracha which is given to children in Judaism. The bracha Ephraim was Yidgul Arov Bekerev Haaretz. There is bracha. We give brachas. Kashbochu is Mavarachat Am Yisrael, and we each give a blessing and a bracha to our children. But the fulfillment of the bracha is. Signing off for KMTT at the end of this year. Be back next week with regular programming. Here in Eretz Yisrael. Shabbat Shalom Bechol Tov. Shabbat Shalom Bechol Tov.